What's up, everybody? Welcome to Roto Sauce. This is Greg Sauce, and this is episode 115. We're going to talk football today, and I got my buddy Jeff Dumont to do it with me. And after the football talk, we are going to take a trip to the Gridiron Throne, uh, <laughs> talk a little Game of Thrones. Uh, the season premiere is on Sunday. It is Friday as we record this, so hopefully we'll get this up tonight uh, so the people on Saturday, if they want to, can listen to it. And we're going to kind of keep things light, fun, short. And so I just want to dive right in with you, Jeff. Uh, no, no pleasantries whatsoever. Wait, hold on. One thing. That was me uh, <laughs> cracking the official Lannister beer of Mexico, uh, a Modelo Especial, two golden lions right on the front of the can. It's your finest Arbor Gold. <laughs> <laughs> Arbor Gold, indeed. Uh, so, yeah, but football stuff first. Baker Mayfield, man. Stock is way up this offseason. Got to be one of the biggest stories in terms of fantasy just because of how he broke onto the scene last year and how now it looks like his value should be pushed even further. But how high are you willing to go on Mayfield? Because when I see where he's being drafted in like best balls right now, it feels like we're approaching like stealing territory. Where are you at on Baker right now? Uh, I think he's going a little too high. Um, it looks like his ADP is uh, QB5, around 64 overall, I'd say. I'm looking at the NFFC ADP, and that's so high, man. It's so high. So uh, I don't know. I don't think I'll get, have many shares of him because I don't think he's going to be a top five quarterback this year. Even though he got Odell, he's going to be the trendiest pick. He's going to be everyone's going to love having him. But as a mid-tier QB one, that's that's crazy, man. Do you think that is his ceiling? What is his ceiling? Could he be could he be higher than the QB five this year and like the complete best case scenario in your mind? Like, is he a potential QB one overall? Like, I yeah. I don't think we want to say that about anybody trying to dethrone like Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Andrew Luck, Russell Wilson, but could, is Baker on that level potentially even? Yes. Yes. That's the rub. He, his potential and he's probably going to have QB one seasons. He's just a sophomore though. And there's a lot of great quarterbacks. Like I'd, I'd rather have Carson Wentz over Baker. I, I think he's just really overrated right now. <laughs> it really is all just about that price. Like at QB five, you're taking him ahead of, guys who are just as good or in similar similarly good situations where would you rank Mayfield at this point like where does he fall in your quarterback hierarchy he'd probably be closer to number 10 8 to 10 you know 5 is a little too high I I think he's more of a low lower tier uh, QB1 than a high-end QB1 I mean he's gonna be good and he's got good targets but I don't know I, I think everyone has to like hold their horses a little bit on this 63 overall that's insane yeah, the overall price is definitely too steep. Like, you shouldn't pay for any quarterback at that price, especially in a one-quarterback format. But for me, like, I don't know. I see him, and I had him at QB10. So yeah. lockstep with you, you know, kind of leading up to this week. And then I started tinkering with my rankings a little bit, moving some guys around. And, I, I mean, it really is fluid. Like, you could rank Baker Mayfield ahead of or behind Jameis Winston, ahead of or behind Tom Brady. Like, it all depends on what you want to value and what you think you're going to get. And there's still so much unknown, like, in terms of, how the offseason is going to play out. Like, we haven't even hit the NFL draft yet. That's going to shake things up, too. But as I thought about it more and as I just continued to tinker, I I felt like I had to move Mayfield up. So right now he's my QB8. I did move him ahead of Winston. I moved him ahead of Brady. I have him ahead of Cam Newton and Ben Roethlisberger, which feels, like, really dirty. Uh, <laughs> like, ahead of all four of those guys. Like, before, he, he was more on par with Cam for me. Like, I figured they would both have some great weeks. They would both have some down weeks. And, you know... How, how they rate relative to one another is, is almost irrelevant because you, it really depends on when you're starting these guys in season. But it's also close. It's really hard to differentiate in that middle tier. And I can't help but think that Baker is ascending, though. You know, like, you look at the state yeah. of that team, my big concern with him at this point would be potential volume. The Browns already had Nick Chubb, then they went and signed Kareem Hunt. Like, how much running are they going to want to do? The Browns' defense should be improving. Does that mean that Baker has to throw less? And that's probably the biggest red flag at the moment. If we're worried about that most of all, like, should we be worried at all? Like, that that doesn't seem like too much of a concern. Like, he's still going to throw. I mean, they have good receiving weapons. He's going to be efficient, especially if they can, you know, put out a good running game. Do you share any of those concerns about Baker Mayfield's volume this year? And I, I don't know, if not, what else are you concerned about when you think about his situation in Cleveland? Yeah, I am a little concerned about his volume. You're right. The defense is much better. They're going to be a winning team. I think they're probably going to make the playoffs. They're going to get 10 or 11 wins. His volume is definitely concerned. Yeah, bringing in Hunt, having Chubb still there. 
And uh, I don't know. I think he's just like the the hottest thing right now, and, and everyone's going to reach to get him. Right. I mean, this was Deshaun Watson last year. Yes, exactly. Completely overdrafted. Still, still turned in. I believe QB one numbers. But yeah, he's just you know the hot the hottest thing right now. <laughs> okay, so if Mayfield is, and I hate this is this year's blank. You know, if he's this year's uh, Deshaun Watson, go with me here. Who's this year's Patrick Mahomes? I mean, it, does that guy exist? Wow. Yeah, going from low end like like QB two like fifteen range to number one overall. Right now, looking at the 14, 15, 16 range, you got Cam Newton, Kirk Cousins, and Tom Brady. They're all veterans. They all have a ceiling. Uh, Cam Newton, of course, could be the QB1 overall. I'm looking at Dak Prescott. Right now, QB21, uh, getting selected 97 overall. He was the number one QB, I think, in the playoff fantasy that I won in our league, by the way. <laughs> I think I think the defenses are going to key in at Elliott. They're going to have to open up the offense quite a bit. Dak Prescott's already been a QB1 in his past and he's going to want that contract. And I think he, he could easily be high in QB1. And he's, I mean, 21 overall. That's that's crazy. I think he, he's he's at least should be a low in QB1. And he could definitely be like the Mahomes, you know, huge leap range. It wouldn't be a podcast with Jeff DeMont if he didn't do some sick rubbins from the fantasy leagues that we play together. And you're a monster. <laughs> that's freaking right. So I'm going to throw a couple a couple other names at you real quick in terms of quarterbacks who could make that sort of leap from you know the QB twelve to twenty range into the top five. We've seen him do it before, Carson Wentz. I mean, you talked about how yeah. you draft him over Mayfield right now. He's not being drafted like that, and so he could potentially make that leap again. I could see that. You like you know that system around him is good. I think that everything great you can say about Mayfield's situation, like Wentz doesn't have a receiver on the level of Odell Beckham, but in terms of scheme, in terms of, you know, fit and, and general overall weapons, like I think that Eagles offense could, you know, really bounce back in 2019. Another guy I'll throw at you, and it's, I sound, I'm going to feel really dirty saying it, but Marcus Mariota, like <laughs> just kind of post-hype, uh, like has that pedigree, Mariota's been in the league a little while, and I don't, I don't feel great about this call. I'm just I'm trying to construct a scenario, but like he won a we know he was a yeah won a Heisman, like elite quarterback talent. Maybe everything we saw last year was just a reflection of his injuries, and maybe this is the year he finally makes that leap after he's burned literally everyone um, for the past two years. So, uh, what do you think about those two calls, Wentz and Mariota? I like it very high upside. They're both like the number two overall, so obviously they have the upside is everything. Mariota, I, I do like Mariota. Right now he's 123 overall, uh, QB 27 in the NFFC. That's way too low. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, he had problems throwing the ball last year. I mean, your quarterback can't throw the freaking ball because he had, you know, the arm injury. I mean, if he's right, I mean, he's he's got the cheat code, you know. He has all the rushing capabilities in the world. And, uh, yeah, no, Mariota could easily be uh, much higher. The, and the only other guy I can really consider in that sort of unexpected breakout would be Darnold. I, I don't think that's going to happen, yeah. but I think that you could construct a similar case for him as being that we haven't seen what he's truly capable of, and maybe he shows us that right away in year two. It's possible. I agree. Yeah, that offense should be a lot better with Le'Veon Bell, too. And I think Darnold, he was pretty good in real life, at least, down the stretch last year. And uh, he's, he was young, too. Wasn't he only 20, 21, 20 or 21-year-old rookie? Like and, one of the youngest uh, ever, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Darnold, Darnold's ceiling is very high. I agree with you there. I mean, why not now? I mean, they, they went all in with Le'Veon Bell. That offense is going to be much better than people think, I think. By the way, I take Le'Veon Bell top five. <laughs> You're still in on Bell? Yeah, I love Bell. Love him. Yeah, I mean, you know they're going to feed him. That That's the nice thing about drafting him. It's just, is how how is a year off going to affect him? That's my big question. Yeah, I mean, he, he's only 28, and he's fresh now. I think he's going to be fine. I think they're going to give him close to 400 touches in volume alone. I mean, it, it's the best combination. If he's in his prime, he's going to have ridiculous volume. And, uh, yeah, it's, he's still the best, one of the top three or four best running backs in the league. Bell, Bell is, I think he's going low in, uh, at the very end of round one right now, around number 10 overall. I think that's way too low. Because people hate him. Yeah, I'm, I can understand why, but um, we were talking about ceiling, and I want to get back to the QB position. Yeah. One thing that really leaped out to me was scanning through last year's quarterback finishes and seeing that Matt Ryan was the QB3 in 2018, both in total points and in points per game. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> right? <laughs> like, Matt Ryan? And so I'm wondering, like, we, we've seen him put up colossal numbers before. Like, this is the second time in the past, like, three or four years that we've seen him kind of go berserk. Yeah. Is this who he is now? Like, do we have to start treating <laughs> Matt Ryan like a 
a Drew Brees or like a Tom Brady level compiler? I mean, it's possible. He might be an every other year type of guy. He's getting paid like a high end number one QB, and he's got indoors. You know, now he has another fancy target in Ridley. You know, Ridley's only ascending. Julio is still at his prime. I wouldn't. I don't like it. He's QB six right now. That's that's too high. Like I take I take Breeze and Wentz and probably even Goff over him. Maybe even Jameis. But I mean, he could be. He's just uh, everyone always hates on him, and he always puts up really good numbers. He always returns really good value in drafts. So <laughs> you have a chance. I mean, he's he's boring, but if he's gonna put up top three numbers two out of three years, I mean, you got you really gotta look at that. You know who I think he, he really is? I think he's like the new Eli Manning. Where Remember <laughs> there were a few years there where Eli was just a really good fantasy quarterback? And I mean, yes, he won some Super Bowls in there too. Let's not discredit him for that. And then we saw him fall off that cliff in more recent years. But I, I feel like Matt Ryan is that guy now where just because of the way that offense is structured, because of how much you know he has to throw playing in the dome, the fact that their defense hasn't been great, I, I could see that being part of the reason why we could see Matt Ryan have a, a kind of late period career, kind of like Eli Manning did. Do you see that comparison a little bit better? Yeah, definitely. You're looking at uh, quarterback peaks, you know, like their prime quarterbacks have getting later and later. Look at Tom Brady's like 43, 44 now, but I feel like Matt Ryan's probably in his mid thirties and that's right in the prime. Like quarterbacks aren't going to slow down until about 40 now. So, so yeah, he's, he's right there. He's, he's going to have a lot of really good years left. And he stays healthy, and that's the main part of being a quarterback. And he's still in a good offense, and he has an elite elite targets, you know. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I want to see how that situation in Atlanta shakes up a little bit because we talked earlier about Baker Mayfield's defense, you know, the Cleveland defense potentially making it so Mayfield doesn't have to throw quite as much. There were a lot of injuries on the defensive side of the ball for Atlanta last year. Yeah. And so they were giving up a lot of points, which meant that Matt Ryan had to put up a lot of points. And so maybe bring it back in 2019 if that Falcons defense stays healthy maybe Matt Ryan doesn't have to do quite as much I mean that's kind of the what I'm hedging against I have Ryan in a tier with Baker with Jameis with Tom Brady and with Deshaun Watson it's like my third tier of quarterbacks like QB6 through QB10 at the moment I mean I guess you could throw Newton and Roethlisberger in there is 11 and 12 uh, those guys just feel so unknown to me maybe we can talk about that but um, just in terms of those other five, uh, Watson, Ryan, Mayfield, Winston, Brady. How do you parse that out? Like, rank those five guys for me real quick. Okay. Watson's probably still number one, you know. Same for me. Yeah. Who you got next? Yeah. uh, Probably um, Mayfield. Uh, Brady, I think, would be at the very end, honestly. Winston, Winston, I think, number three. And number four is whoever that guy was. (laughs) That's that's the part of this tier I feel most confident about, is Watson at the top as my QB6, and Brady at the bottom as my QB10. Yes. And Ryan, Mayfield, Winston, like, I don't think anybody could definitively tell you how those guys are going to finish this season, like, right. relative to each other. This year, like a lot of other years, is all about waiting on these guys. Just take the last guy in every tier, you know? Like, in a QB, in a one QB league, you shouldn't even draft a quarterback. Wait till the very end. But <laughs> I feel like there's there's a lot of tiers. I mean, there's a giant tier from QB5 to QB20. And you sh- in a two QB league, I really don't think you should be reaching on QBs this year. Yeah, the crazy part is that after you get past those guys, I still have Cam Newton, Roethlisberger, uh, Garoppolo, Lamar Jackson, Kirk Cousins, Carson Wentz, Philip Rivers, Jared Goff, Mitchell Trubisky, yeah. Dak Prescott, like just so many, so many guys you could potentially take that, Yeah. again, we made the case for some of these guys to have that top five ceiling, and that's the whole point is that every single one of these quarterbacks from – QB1 down to QB15 or QB20 maybe like they have that top five ceiling if things break right for them and I just don't see how you can think about it that way and ever spend up for the position it does not make sense to me let's dig a little deeper into the lower tiers though because this is where in a two quarterback league you have to make some more challenging decisions and there are some bigger differentiations to be made and so I'm going to start with a joke Uh, Kyler Murray (laughs) Josh Rosen and Case Keenum walk into a bar what happens next? My, what a sweet ass. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's that Tyrion joke that he never gets to finish. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. I know. I know. I know. I'm, I'm so ready for Game of Thrones. <laughs> I don't know. What's the end of the joke? I don't know. <laughs> oh, I don't know either. I guess that's the whole point. It's like <laughs> okay. maybe the punchline has something to do with Alex Smith, but I. I... Oh. 
<laughs> I want to know what's going on with this situation in, in your analysis. Like, you look at Kyler Murray supposedly going to usurp uh, Josh Rosen. Maybe we call him the usurper. And then <laughs> Rosen's being rumored to go to uh, Washington, and they just signed K- or traded for Case Keenum. Like, I'm curious what you're doing with, with these three guys for fantasy purposes. Like, are you interested in one of them, two of them, all three? Because I, I think there is buying opportunity with all of them potentially depending upon how things shake out. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Josh Rosen has all the talent in the world. And it just sucks that, I mean, I thought he was going to be a top three pick last year. And he went to Arizona. It's just a bad situation. And if he goes to Washington, you know, he's not going to start, at least in year one. But uh, I do like Kyler Murray a lot. He's another guy like Russell Wilson. I mean, obviously, everyone's going to compare him to Russell Wilson. The dude can chuck it. The guy can chuck 65, 70 yards. His height does not matter. And he's got speed. Kyler Murray, if he gets picked number one overall to Arizona, he's going to be pretty good. He's, I, mean, I think of like a Cam Newton rookie season, and I think Cam Newton in his rookie season was a QB1, and uh, he's going to be good. He's got like the it factor, you know, like it, 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 I feel like he's going to step in right away and contribute. So Kyler Murray, I mean, I could see why they're talking about him number one. It seems crazy, but I mean, to take a guy in, in the lottery, in top 13 or whatever last year, at QB and then then to give up on him, even though he's a blue chip prospect. I mean, they got to think real high of Kyler Murray. Yeah. I just, I have the same concerns about him that we did with Rosen last year is how good is that situation going to be? If Murray does become the starter right away, I don't know. I, I I would worry about that if I was uh, drafting Kyler Murray, but um, I don't know. My, my, the biggest thing I'm curious about, or the biggest thing I'm wondering about, is really what is going to happen to Josh Rosen as a result of all this. Like Case Keenum, take it or leave it. You know, like, but Rosen could still have a really good career ahead of him. So, like in a dynasty context or a keeper context, you could probably get Josh Rosen for pennies on the dollar right now. And especially after Arizona drafts uh, Kyler Murray, but before they move on from Rosen, like assuming they don't trade him right away. Like, I, I'm curious to see how that all plays out, what the timing of it is, but. If you believe that Rosen has that talent, if you believe that 2018 was simply a result of his situation, then you should be buying him right now. And I I just, I don't know if I would have a whole lot of confidence to do that, but I'm also, I don't play in a ton of dynasty, so that's probably why. Uh, But (laughs) I I think that there is that that buying opportunity, and I I can't wait to see how it all plays out. But I I, I would love, you know what I want to see happen here is I would like to see an actual quarterback battle between those two. Like... Treat it as if Rosen is an entrenched starter, because he is. Like, he was the starter last year. Give him the job to start and see if Murray can take it away from him. I think that would bring out the best in both of those QBs. It's that, you know, Seahawks mentality, right? Like, Russell Wilson all over again. Like, can he beat out Matt Flynn? It turns out he could. Can Kyler Murray beat out Josh Rosen? We'll see. Right. Yeah, I I agree with you. In both dynasty formats and in real life, Josh Rosen is very, very underrated. I mean, he's going to go for a second rounder and anybody, they should be lining up out the door to give a second rounder for a franchise QB. I mean, whether it's going to be the Giants or probably Washington, like you said. And uh, yeah, I I think he's going to get traded. I don't think there's going to be a QB controversy. I think it's going to be Kyler Murray's team. But that's just, that's a guess. Nobody really knows. (laughs) <laughs> we talked about Mayfield potentially being one of the most overvalued QBs right now. Do you think he is the most overvalued, or do you think there's someone else who takes that title? Yeah, uh, ba- Baker is one of the most overvalued because he's being selected in the top five. Uh, Matt Ryan, we talked about Matt Ryan. He might be consistent. I think he's overvalued, too. Russell Wilson's very overvalued. I mean, that offense is changing so much, and people are thinking two years ago he's a QB1. I mean, Drew Brees, I mean, Brees is more consistent, but a lot of these guys that are getting picked as QB1s, I, I really don't think are, are going to be finishing the season as QB1. I will never bet against Russell Wilson, but I do <laughs> appreciate the potential fade on Brees, just because he is another year older. They did re-sign Teddy Bridgewater, which was very interesting to me. Yes. Uh, they lost their center. So we could see some amount of decline there. They went out and made sure they got another running back in Latavius Murray. So I think we're going to continue to see that load management on Drew Brees, kind of like we've seen with Tom Brady as well, where during the season, these New Orleans and New England offenses try to be a little bit more run heavy than maybe we're used to uh, traditionally over the past few years. And so I I do have some concerns about Brees. With that said, he is so damn efficient that I really have a hard time bumping him down my rankings. I'm I'm also curious about Roethlisberger. Uh, I. Right now, I think the consensus rank on him at Fantasy Pros is 12. I don't know where he's going in ADP. Maybe you can look that up. But just losing 
Antonio Brown, losing, you know, Bell. I mean, he lost Bell last year and was fine, so maybe it doesn't matter. But just the the shape of that team changing, kind of the the vibe around that team changing, like I'm wondering how that affects him. Uh, but, I mean, I, I think he'll probably be fine. I think he's still a top-12 QB for me. I just I do have some concerns about him. I mean, any of these guys who continue to age, like get one year older, like you always have to kind of have that reality check each season. I think Newton coming off of his, uh, you know, his surgery, that is another one where yeah. I'm just like, it's a red flag, man. Like we saw what it did to Andrew Luck, how long it took for him to really get back and get right. Like at the beginning of last year, Andrew Luck was not throwing it down the field with authority. And if Cam Newton can't do that, if teams, if opposing teams start to key in on him as a rusher, like that could exacerbate his injury problems. Like, I don't know. Like I think Newton and Roethlisberger are the two biggest, like, wild cards for me in that third or fourth tier that middle tier of starters and yeah. i don't know we'll, we'll see how that plays out do you have any thoughts on those guys i fully agree two aging superstars they used to be qb ones uh, cam newton i'm fading mccaffrey too i think carolina's having a very bad year uh cam newton most of his fantasy value obviously is coming um through the run and he's not going to do that as much and he's aging big ben too uh even the, he is qb 11 and adp that's too high still. He's aging. He wants to retire. Lost. Even when you lose the best receiver in football, it's not going to be good, no matter how good Juju is going to be. I don't know. I'd rather have that, like Jimmy G, QB 18 right now. I'd rather have him over either of those guys. Jimmy G could be another guy, like QB 1, by the way. I have no idea how to value him appropriately. We just have so yeah. little evidence of him, but I totally agree. Like He could be awesome, like Kyle Shanahan offense, like pretty good weapons around him, but he could just be, you know, Matthew Stafford or Jay Cutler. Who the hell knows? We'll find yeah. out. Um, I'm surprised that if you're fading Newton, you're also fading McCaffrey. Like, I kind of feel like if Newton is less than 100%, that's probably a good thing for McCaffrey. But I, I don't know. I could see it going both ways. I just, yeah. I would expect them to lean on the run and lean on him as like a, a check down safety valve. And that would increase his value in my mind. Um, yeah. Can you explain why you're down on both of them at the same time? Yeah, you're right. I mean, McCaffrey's volume should not be an issue. I think he might get hurt. I think Carolina, just like David Johnson last year, the over-under on Arizona was like four last year, and that should have been a four wins, and that should have been a big red flag for David Johnson. I think McCaffrey is going to have a very much David Johnson 2018 type of season. I think Carolina is going down. I, I, I mean, if they only get four, five, six wins, just there's so many different ways for McCaffrey to be a big bust. And I think he's going in the top three in PPRs, top five, most everywhere else. That's that's too high. Well, let's compare your data point. If Arizona was projected for four wins last year, how many wins is Carolina projected for this year? Or what's their over-under? Uh, right now, it's eight. Eight wins. So eight and eight. So they Vegas thinks that they're a better team than Arizona was last year. This is true. I think that's a clear under. I would bet that all day long with um, with Cam coming off of injury. So if Carolina does only win five games, five, six games or so, I think um, the entire offense is going to bust. And McCaffrey will be one of those guys. If there's like a perfect over-under win total for me to think that a team is going to be run heavy, it's eight. It's it's the eight and eight team. It's Jeff Fisher, baby. <laughs> Let's do this. Yep. Christian McCaffrey, 8-8 eight, eight and, eight and you eight know, RB1 eight. overall. Let's do it. <laughs> and they hire, they hire uh, Fisher as a, as a coach on August 8th. <laughs> I, don't rule it out, man. Um, all right, so we talked about uh, overrated or, or overvalued quarterback, I should say. Who is the most undervalued guy to you right now when you look at ADP? Uh, Derek Carr, I mean, if he is the quarterback for the Oakland Raiders at number 24 overall, I mean, they, they could still cut him. But I know, I mean, 24 overall, 113 overall. Uh, I, I mean, that's very underrated to me for for a low-end QB2, QB3, really. Um, so I like Carr, and I like uh, Garoppolo a lot. The problem with Carr is that he's just been so bad. Like, the, the evidence of him being a good quarterback does not exist. He had that one good season, but, it, like, the situation couldn't have been better. Like, his O-line was amazing. I look at the quarterbacks ahead of him in ADP in the rankings, and it's like, I, I really don't want Carr ahead of any of those guys. Like, are you taking Carr over Sam Darnold? Are you taking him over Matthew Stafford or Dak Prescott or Mitchell Trubisky, Jared Goff? Like, I can just go up the line. Like, I think Carr, to me, is the perfect, like, QB 23 or QB 24. I think that's very appropriate for, you know, the type of quarterback that he's shown himself to be. 
right? If he gets that job, if he is going into week one as a starter with Antonio Brown, that offense, John Gruden, I, I think he's undervalued. I'm going to have a lot of shares of him, like in the, the best ball tens. I mean, at, I think, I mean, I think his ceiling is QB 20. So him at QB 24, I mean, his floor, I mean, is QB 20. So him at QB 24 is just value. I'm looking at pure value right here as my QB three in best ball formats. Yeah, I, I don't see it. Like, I'm just not a fan. No. <laughs> I, I think that he, like I said, 24 feels very appropriate to me. I have him ahead of Josh Allen, Nick Foles, Andy Dalton, Case Keenum, Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I have him in the tier above those guys. But I still think all those other guys, because they're going to be cheaper, they don't have that, like, Antonio Brown hype around them, like, are probably better values to me. I think that Fitzpatrick might be one of those guys who is just supremely undervalued right now. What, what are you doing with him? Because... It seems like Miami wants to lose, and if you want to lose, then put in the quarterback who's going to turn the ball over a ton. Turnovers don't count against you that much in fantasy. I know that people hate seeing their quarterbacks throw interceptions, but typically if, you, if you're still chucking it, it he's going to yeah. make up those interceptions with other stats. No problem. I, I love Fitzpatrick. What about yeah. you? Yeah, I like him too. He's a gunslinger. He is a high-variance guy. He's going to be QB1 one week and throw four interceptions the next week. I mean, that is Fitzpatrick. And right now, he's barely even he's a QB 33 he's not even he's as an NFL QB too <laughs> so yeah I like him a lot I mean that's a great uh like uh DraftKings FanDuel you know uh kind of guy for tournaments all right so that does it for undervalued overvalued let's get into some of the Game of Thrones talk and to, and to ease us into it to soften the blow we're going to merge the discussion of NFL and Game of Thrones <laughs> I want to talk about NFL franchises as the great houses of Westeros. So if you don't watch Game of Thrones, you probably won't get any of this. And if you are one of those people, feel free to turn the podcast off. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening so far. Um, But, Jeff, I know you're a big fan of GOT. I am too. I want to start. Are you a book reader or not? I am not a book reader. I'm aware of what happens in the books. But, uh, no. Are you? Uh, Yes, I've read all the books. uh, But I will say that I am by no means... A maester, I am not an expert when it comes to the written stuff. Like, when I talk about the books with my other friends, like the the nutcases who have read them, like, multiple times, they always, like, remember stuff that I just totally forgot. So, for me, my base knowledge of the Game of Thrones universe is very much based on the TV show at this point. That's very sad to me. I think after this final season of the show, I'm probably going to go back and reread the books for the first time. I'm actually, like, really excited to do that. But, um, anyway, I digress. There are these, you know, major houses in Westeros. Uh, I have about nine of them, uh, even though there are only seven kingdoms. I think that's a little interesting. But let's start with the Starks. Who do you think, as an NFL franchise, best personifies House Stark? House Stark from the North. Uh, wow. Uh, so they're hardworking. They're honest. I, I would go. I'm just <laughs> thinking of this right now. Perfect. Uh, House House Stark would be the Minnesota Vikings. We the North. <laughs> I like it. So the first things you said were like, they're hardworking, they're really nice people, and my, my answer for this was the Patriots. Um, so okay. when I think of House Stark, man, I, I think of survivors, and I think of people who do what they were meant to do. They do their jobs, you know what I mean? Like, Arya didn't fit as you know, this, this princess type character, she wanted to be a killer and she became a killer. Uh, and you know, Jon Snow kind of same thing. It seems like he's always doing, you know, what he's supposed to, he does his job to the utmost part of his ability. That's like a very Belichickian thing to me. Um, it doesn't feel like quite right in terms of matching the Starks with the Patriots, because again, like the Starks are generally considered the good guys and the Patriots are often considered the villains of the NFL. Uh, but that's one thing that game of Thrones has, has taught us all is that we can subvert those types of things. Like not look at everything in terms of good and evil. Uh, there, there are many shades of gray. And uh, yeah, for me, uh, House Stark is the Patriots. How about House Lannister? Who do you got for that? All right. So if you, uh, House Lannister, I think, is the Patriots. House Lannister has been the true power. <laughs> that, that is the Patriots. That's the true Patriots. They're the bad guys. They've been the true power for the past two decades. It's <laughs> just like the Lannisters. Uh, I mean, Tom Brady is freaking Cersei. He mouth kisses his son for an extended awkward amount of time that, that is the same as fucking your twin brother in my book so uh, Tywin Lannister is hoodie they are evil they're bad and 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 the end is coming someone is gonna take him down Pat Mahomes I, I change it Pat Mahomes is the Starks he is the prince that was promised that's Jon Snow he is gonna take down Tom Brady 
And yes, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> that's that's amazing. Your explanation is like way, way better than mine. So you definitely yeah. win on House Lannister. I picked the Rams. Kind of come off as like a bit overconfident, you know what I mean? Um, but at the same time, they're still imposing, right? Like I just... I just don't see a scenario in the Game of Thrones story where the Lannisters come out on top. Like, it just can't happen at this point. I don't think it can. I hope it doesn't. Yeah. And that, that's kind of just what happened to the Rams. It's like they had all this hype. We thought that, you know, maybe they would pull it off. And then kind of everything just crumbled when they made it to the Super Bowl against the Starks. Uh, and, and it didn't happen right away. Uh, but it, it was just one of those things where it, like, slowly and slowly slipped away from them. Um, but yeah, your answer is way, way better. Uh, <laughs> let's go to the next uh, big, big, big house. Probably the, the of, of the big houses, like, they're a big three. It's House Stark, House Lannister, and House Targaryen. What are you doing with the Dragon Lords? What team represents that to you? The team that represents uh, the Dragon Lords, uh, Targaryens. I would say the Green Bay Packers. They used to be on top of the world. That was the Lombardi era. That was the Bart Star era. That was the Aegon, the, Car- the Conqueror world. And now they have Aaron Rodgers, the best. Is he? Is he the best? Is Daenerys the best? I don't know. That's a big question. He, he, he uh, yeah, he wants to take over the world. Uh, he's very uh, polarizing, and uh, yeah, uh, who knows? And, and yet, so the, the entire show of Game of Thrones re- is pretty much revolved around Rhaegar Targaryen. The Packers are still, after the last twenty years, are revolved. People still talk about Brett freaking Favre. Brett Favre is Rhaegar Targaryen. The, the, the Targaryens are the Packers. That's that's a pretty good one. I, I, I wanted to go a couple different directions here. The the first team that came to mind, I'm going to actually save last, but I did think of the Chiefs for this, kind of what you were talking about with Mahomes, like Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, like basically the Chiefs have the Dragons. You know what I mean? These guys who yeah. are just just so much more powerful than everybody else in the NFL at what they do, like at that respective position. And I, I think that that kind of reminded me of House Targaryen. The other one that that I think is probably a better answer personally is the Browns. And I think of this kind of in the same way where you talked about the Packers, where, you know, the Browns have just been non-existent for so long. And now they're starting to kind of rise up from the ashes, right? Like Sashi yeah. gathered up all these dragon eggs and now they're starting to hatch. <laughs> And we're ready to go. We're ready for Baker Mayfield, the prince that was promised, to come in here and tear the league up. Like, he's the guy who's going to take down the Patriots. I think it can happen. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I got somebody else for the Browns later. Okay. So, yeah, um, there are a lot of other houses to get to next. um, And I didn't try as hard with these ones, so I just kind of... Uh, spitballed a few different teams at a few different houses. Uh, wh- where do you want to start? Like, what what one? What which do you feel best about your next house to team comparison? <laughs> the one I've been thinking about a lot today: House Tyrell, a once great rich house, is now dead. They're completely abolished. There's no remaining people. So, who was great? Recently, won two Super Bowls. Probably the richest team in the NFL: the New York Giants. That is how Tyrell. They're dead. They're they're done. They're they're taking uh, employing Eli Manning in 2018-2019 is the same as blowing yourself blowing the theft of Baylor up. <laughs> That's what they're doing. They're tanking and they're going to start Eli Manning to tank and to kill themselves. Yeah, so when I think of the Tyrells, I think of a team that is just so irrelevant. You know, it's like even when they're powerful, it's like they're still not the Lannisters. They're not the Starks. Like, and to me, the team that best epitomized that was the Detroit Lions. Like, yeah, they have some like interesting players. Like, Stafford's okay as a you know quarterback, not quite a, a franchise guy. Like, they yeah. have some other good players along the way, but but eventually they just they don't matter. And that's what the Tyrells were to me. So I picked them. Yeah, uh, I I picked the Giants as one of the potential answers for the the Aaron House Aaron uh, of the Vale. And and I couldn't decide between the Giants and Bengals, and so I'll let you Ooh. decide, Jeff. Who is the Robin Aaron of the oh, NFL? Is it God. Eli Manning or is it Andy Dalton? It's one of those <laughs> oh, two. Oh man, yeah, it's oh, wow, yeah. They both could easily have been sucking on the mom's teeth at like age nine, <laughs> age ten. <laughs> uh, I mean, Andy Dalton. There's something wrong with that guy, and Eli Manning as well. <laughs> uh, I would say the Bengals. I like that. They're in the north, you know, they're like the, the northeast-ish area. So, uh, yeah, Andy Dalton in his crazy red head. <laughs> How does he still have a job? <laughs> yeah, I just think of, like, this, like, inept 
kind of mama's boy type. And I'm not saying that that's what these quarterbacks are like. I just mean like someone who just like is ineffectual. Like it, it doesn't matter what the quarterback does because we all know that like the true power of the veil resides with, you know, Peter Baelish or Lord yeah. Royce, you know, giant chest plate or with Sansa at this point. I should have done a spoiler alert. I realize now like 10 minutes <laughs> into this discussion, spoiler alerts are coming folks, but <laughs> lot you know, them. like j- just in general, like I, I just think of like this ineffectual, you know, leader of a house, like the guy who's supposed to be in charge, but you, there's just no way you trust that guy. And I, I don't know. I don't think Manning's it. I think that in, like Dalton's probably a better answer, but I honestly think Derek Carr might be the best. Like, no. again, what I've talked about earlier, like, I just don't think he's good. Like I just, I don't see it. Um, but Right. Anyway, th- that's the errands for me. Did you have a different uh, team for House Aaron? House Aaron? No, I was thinking of them or maybe Seattle. You know, I don't know. <laughs> All right, where do you want to go yeah. next? Which house? Uh, I, I, how about the dead? The the the, the night the night king and his army. Who is the dead? Do you have one? No, I didn't. I didn't even think about that. I I stuck to the. Okay, the true houses. The great houses of Westeros, Jeff. This is a serious game of Jesus. <laughs> we are south of the wall. Damn who, who you got for the dead? I like that. Who you got as the Night King? That's who I like as Cleveland. They've been dead for years, and now the King of the Ashes has risen. That is Baker Mayfield. He's the prince of, that was promised from the other side. He's coming to kill House Lannister and the Patriots. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, yeah they, they've been horrible for uh, so long. They live in a dark, dreary world in Cleveland, and nobody wants to live in, and everyone dies if you do live there. <laughs> did, you, did you come up with a, a, a good team for House Tully? Oh, Tully. Oh, wow, the fish. No, I haven't. River so no. I, I went with the Seahawks here, just because oh, that's a good one. Earl Thomas is just so clearly the Blackfish. Excommunicated, like not respected by his own family, his own team, like... <laughs> You know what I mean. Like everybody yeah. saw him flip the bird as he got carted off. Uh, I think that he's the perfect proxy for the Blackfish. Uh, how about House Baratheon? Did you pick one for that? Uh, yeah, House, House Baratheon. And no, I didn't. <laughs> you go first. I'll think of one. <laughs> Sorry. The Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> oh. Gods, they were strong back then. God. <laughs> Just yeah, like they, this once once great franchise that is just I mean I actually think yeah. the Cowboys are a little underrated at this point uh and maybe that's the case with you know House Baratheon as well like we got Gendry coming back uh potentially taking over that house if he gets legitimized like I don't yeah. know man I could see you know a return to power for the Baratheons in the show and maybe that means that the Cowboys aren't far behind we'll see Yeah yeah they drank and whore their way to an early death in the mid 90s and it's been <laughs> 25 years <laughs> <laughs> I agree. That's that's the best Baratheon. All right, Ours do, do, is the Fury. <laughs> do you want to come up with one for Tully? Yeah, I like. Gonna okay, I'm going to do one for Doran. They're from the South, and uh, I'm, so a Southern team. I'm thinking the Miami Dolphins, mainly because <laughs> Oberyn Martell is most like Dan Marino. He's very touchy feely. He's the best, the most talented. Uh, play quarterback potentially in NFL history. He got to the big game once and he failed miserably. <laughs> the thing I love about this discussion is that you went like really historical with it, and I really yeah. tried to pick like <laughs> the current iteration of these teams. But that's great. Like it's 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 super interesting, and I love that Marino to to uh, Doran Martell or not Doran yeah. uh, Prince Oberyn Martell uh, for the Martells. I picked uh, the Bears. Like. At this point, they like all of you know their key players have been killed. They're they're all dead. Uh, but yeah. if you are a book reader, if you are familiar with kind of the Game of Thrones expanded universe, like there's still a lot of deadly people down in Dorne, like down in that Martell group. And I think the one thing that they're lacking is that leader. You know, someone to kind of rally behind, someone to lead them. You know, on their mission for revenge against the Lannisters or against whoever. And this is more just a reflection of me not trusting Mitchell Trubisky whatsoever. <laughs> I just, I see the Bears and I see, yep, this franchise has their head on straight, uh, but they might have picked the wrong quarterback. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, they definitely did. They could have had Mahomes, but uh, well, like, take, like come on. <laughs> that, that's the thing for me is like that, that. That's why they were the Bears. Yeah. I like the Bears as Bear Island, as the Mormons. I mean, they're the Bears, you know. Jora is a perfect Mitch Trubisky. He does good, does bad, you know. You never really know what you're going to get. It's a little, little too on the nose for me. Uh, did you I have know. one for, for House Greyjoy, uh, the Iron Islands? That's the Raiders. They're freaking pirates. You know, anything fucking goes. It doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> Euron is, I mean, uh, fucking, uh, Euron. 
<laughs> You're on his Derek Hart. Who let's bring in uh it doesn't matter. We're we're taking. Let's bring in Brown. It doesn't matter. They have they have no plan at all of action at all. They're gonna move to fight they're, they're gonna rebel and move to Vegas. They're gonna move to LA and back. Fuck them. <laughs> they're useless. They have no plan. Yeah, they're just reaving <laughs> all these different communities. They they reave uh all up along the shore, like yeah, I could see it. Yeah. Um Baylon kinda looks like Al Davis too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean they didn't pay the iron price for John Gruden. They pay him they paid him a fuckload of gold. I, I don't Yeah. I, I don't right. <laughs> Uh, for the Greyjoys, though, I had Pittsburgh. I had the Steelers just because of all the yeah. infighting. You know, like they're they're really all the stuff that we've seen go on with Roethlisberger and Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown and even Mike Tomlin at times. Like it seems like there's just a lot of dissent in that locker room, and that really reminded me of House Greyjoy. What what other houses do you get? You you went on the nose with the Bears and Bear Island. Um, <laughs> any other of the, of the lesser houses? Because I think we've hit all the major ones. Yeah, I think we did. Uh, the, uh, the Crownlands. I mean, who, who's oh, the Patriots on the Crown right now? No, uh, no. <laughs> so so the last one I have is House Frey and Frey. I, I picked the Dolphins for this, man. Just just blow it all up and start from scratch. Like they got nobody <laughs> left. Yeah, exactly. Blow it all up, Aria. It just destroyed all. I mean. Fucking Fitzpatrick, really? <laughs> yeah, Arya murdered an entire house, and that was amazing. And the the Dolphins might as well be all murdered. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, Tom, Tom Brady basically was Arya in this situation. Just, yeah. Like, took everyone out, and here we are. Yeah. But we'll see what yeah. happens next. Yeah, the Dolphins aren't even taking for 2019. They, they want Trevor Lawrence in the 2021 draft, <laughs> the 2020 draft. They're scouting high school quarterbacks right now. Yeah, yeah, they're scouting a 16-year-old in junior in like in, in sophomore year in high school. Trying to find a LeBron, LeBron James of high school quarterbacks. I love it. Right. All yeah. right. I want to do something a little off the wall here, and I want to do death predictions, but I want to do it as a first character to die draft. So oh. you and I are each going to pick a character from the show, and then we can repeat this as we do more episodes throughout the season. Where you know, I'll let you go first this time. You you tell me who you think is going to be the first character oh, wow. to die, and then I'll go next, and we'll see if one of us is right during the episode. And then after the first episode of the season, we'll have more information, and then we, maybe we can make a more educated guess for our second round of picks. But if you had to start off right off the bat, who do you think is going to get the axe first in season eight of Game of Thrones? Wow, I like this. Of the main characters, I think it will be a lot of like not main characters dying right away when the. The if you pick, if you pick the right character to get shown dying on screen, <laughs> it doesn't matter how important they are to the story. If you pick the right one first, that's that's a win in my book. Okay, I'm gonna go with Yara Greyjoy right now, a slave uh, for Cersei. Yara, I think I heard. I don't know. I, I think she's about done. I think a lot of Greyjoys are gonna die in this one, but I'll, I'll go with Yara. Okay, yeah, that's a good pick. I like that. I, I was trying to think of like where where the conflict is going to be in the first episode. And yeah. I don't really know. Like, I'm, I'm having a hard time wrapping my brain around that. Like, I have a feeling it's going to be somewhere with the Army of the Dead. Like, they have to show the yeah. Army of the Dead making some progress towards Winterfell or just coming south in general. So I think it's going to be somebody at Castle Black. I'm going to go with Dolores Ed here. That's that's Ooh. my pick. And so we'll see if one of those guys bites the bullet first. And, and in general, we're just trying to beat the other person. So if Dolores Ed yeah. dies before... Uh, uh, Yara does, then uh, I win, and if Yara dies before uh, Dolores said you win, and then okay. next week we'll we'll add to our picks, and whoever gets, I guess, the first one right is going to win, and then we can reset. Uh, so those are our, our first death predictions: uh, Yara Greyjoy and Dolores said of the Night's Watch. Now I just want to kind of get into just general chat of the show for the last couple minutes here. Do you have any other predictions? How about let's just start with episode one, specifically for episode one of season eight. What do you think is going to happen? Is there anything you feel good about? I think the uh, Night King is going to start taking taking out some houses, some of the minor houses up in the northeast area. Because uh, last last time we we saw them, they were leaving East Watch by the Sea. So uh, Car Sarks and I think the Umbers, like the Car Last Hearth and the Carhold, I think that's going down. They're going to take that. They're going to make their way to Winterfell. So I, I think that's pretty much going to happen. There's going to be a lot of reunions. Uh, Jamie's going to go up north. I think maybe Arya and John are going to see each other. I cannot wait for that. That's going to be the best reunion to have to see each other since early season one when he gave her needle, and it's going to be the best thing. So yeah, nice. I don't have anything really. Like I, I really don't have any clue what's going to happen, and I'm trying not to think too much about it. Like I really want to go in with a blank slate and just be super excited and stoked to find out what happens. Um, so what I've been thinking more about are like the theories around the show. Like there's so much that's going to you know 
kind of be mind blowing in this last season. We have to think that just because that's how the show has always been. These really crazy, unexpected moments. Like, do you have any like pet theories or any, uh, you know, major theories that you're really hoping for to come to fruition in this final season? Yeah, I'm starting to subscribe to the Bran is the Night King theory. I think John might have to kill him to kill the Night King because they're the same person. When Brendan Rivers, when the Three-Eyed Raven uh, told Bran that if you stay if you stay on the internet, weirwood.net for too long, <laughs> you will drown. <laughs> I think that's what happened. I think he just warred into the Night King way back in the day. And I think something about the Night King and Bran, I think Bran's going to kill himself, sacrifice himself to uh to win to for for the the living to win the game of thrones (laughs) so so the one that i've been thinking about i didn't hear this until recently and i or or read it i can't remember where i saw it or heard it but this theory that mira reed is actually Jon snow's twin i (laughs) I like that yeah and it's it's kind of silly but it, it it makes sense if you try hard enough like you think about uh howland reed and Ned Stark, we're at the Tower of Joy. That's where Jon Snow was born. We've had that confirmed, but we don't really see a whole lot of that scene besides like some reactions, some interactions between Ned and his sister Lyanna, and then Bran's reaction to what he's seeing. But we don't really see exactly what Bran sees. And a lot of it is like really close up on like Arthur Dane's sword being propped up against the bed. And and I've seen some other speculation that maybe that's meaningful. But in general, I'm curious what if there's another baby there and like, we just don't see that and we're never really told or we never figure out who that person is. And I think it would make a lot of sense for Ned to take Jon Snow and for Howland to like basically do the star Wars thing with, with Luke and Leia, you split (laughs) them up to protect them. And I don't know, man, like I I heard that theory and I was like, wow, I would never have considered that, but I kind of love it. Like, and that would just be so cool if, I, one thing I love about Game of Thrones is how they really empower female characters. And that would be just one of, it'd be a masterstroke on George R. R. Martin's part to be like, yeah, the whole time you think it's this Jon Snow guy, but it's actually his sister who's the real hero. And here she is. <laughs> She's been hiding in the in the swamp for, you know, six books. Mira is Azora High. I love it. She looks like Jon. She's got curly hair too you know <laughs> well i mean and yeah they're both like these really capable like fighters and they're very skilled like i i don't know that it seems like they've yeah. drawn some parallels and and you know they're yeah. hiding information from us that's yeah and where's howland howland hasn't been on the show he's alive just chilling somewhere like where the hell is he totally <laughs> i i hope we get to meet him finally like old version of howland reed like that is yeah. definitely on my season eight wish list do you have anything else along those lines like something you're, you're really hoping for uh to get sooner than later uh, I, I don't know. I, I like the death. I, who do you think is going to kill Cersei? <laughs> you want to talk about that? Yeah, I mean, sure. Yeah. So there's this Valencar prophecy where yeah. the the little brother, quote unquote, is going to kill Cersei. And then the question becomes, is that Tyrion? Is that because he's definitely the little brother? Or is that yeah. Jamie because Cersei was born first of the two uh-huh. twins? Is it some other little brother altogether? Like, could it be Euron? I don't know. Like, I, I think that, you know, the money, the easy money's on Jamie. Uh, yeah. But I, I actually, I want it to be Tyrion. Like, I want it to be, Ooh. I want this to be one of those cases where the show doesn't subvert anything. It just gives us, like, the obvious answer. Because I think that he's the character who might deserve that the most. Like, based upon what yeah. she's done to him. Uh, I mean, we've already seen him kill his father. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, not kill his sister, too. I, I don't know. And, I, and what do you think about Tyrion as a Targaryen and not a Lannister? Or as a, <laughs> I guess you know, a member of both houses, like his mother being a Lannister, but his, his father being a Targaryen. That's another prominent theory. Do you believe in that one? I don't believe it. I like it. I like it. I think the Mad King had a thing for Tywin's wife and there's a chance that Mad King could have brought her over there and that's why she died in childbirth. You know, I mean, it could have been it. It could have been it, but no, I subscribe to Tyrion is still a Lannister theory. I think she's going to, he's going to backstab Danny. I think he's going to die. <laughs> I think something bad's going to happen. I think it's all about Team Lannister. I think Cersei, Jamie, and Tyrion are still on the same side, no matter what they've shown. And Tyrion, I mean, it's weird. It's like he tipped them off. I mean, why was Danny's army so bad in Season 7? Like, the Greyjoy, <laughs> Euron knew that Yara and the Sand Snakes were, uh, like, there. Uh, I mean, uh, and, and uh, like, Euron knew that that there wouldn't be an Lannister army at at, uh, at the Rock, you know? <laughs> I mean, I feel like that Tyrion has been slipping them, you know, a little bit of information, you know, slipping uh, Cersei information the entire time. Or just not having his heart in the in the fight 
in the right way the whole time. Like just whether he would admit it or not, just like isn't actively trying to win against his family. I could see that. Uh, but yeah, yeah right, I don't you're know. right. The, and yeah. the other thing that they did was they showed him hearing, you know, Danny and John bumping uglies on the boat. And, yeah, and he was all mad. And, he, and he looks, he looks visibly, you know, discouraged or frustrated or whatever. So they're trying to sow those seeds. Although after what they did with Sansa and Arya in season seven, like I kind of don't trust them fully for yeah, what they were doing in season seven. So like, that could all just G- be a red herring. It's like Gurm doesn't have any, anything to, for us to read about, so we're just winging it. <laughs> let, but, let, let's get a white. Let's get a white. And bring her to Cersei. Bring him to Cersei. That makes sense. <laughs> but, but honestly, like one of the great things about this show and the way that they've structured it, the way they've set it up, is that you can see all these potential through lines to characters aligning with each other or butting heads. Uh, you know, certain motivations for one character to kill another or for uh, a different character to kill someone else. And like, there's all the, it's a crazy web that they've weaved. And I, I can't wait to see how it plays out, man. I'm really excited. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to keep talking about it. We'll be back I'm, again, uh, hopefully after uh, episode one to make some new death predictions uh, before episode two. And uh, anything else on I'm, Game of Thrones before we sign off, Jeff? I, I'm just so stoked. I'm so excited. It's been over a year and a year and a half. Our watch is finally ended. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm more excited for this than anything else. This is so good. I bring it, bring all of it, shoot it directly into my veins. Yeah, the NBA playoffs are starting this weekend, and, and I do like the NBA, but I'm going to be watching Game of Thrones at a higher priority than I am going to yeah. be watching uh, any any playoff game for any NBA franchise. Because let's all be yeah. real, it's just going to be the Warriors and the Rockets in the West, and yeah, uh, you know, a, a handful of teams in the East. But yeah. we, we got plenty of time. The NBA playoffs tend to drag. I'm not going to worry too much about the first round when Game of Thrones is right here, right now. We got to get there. Yes, it's happening. So, Jeff, thanks a lot for coming on, man. I had a lot of fun talking about football and Game of Thrones with you. Uh, We'll do it again soon. Listeners, thank you for listening. Uh, Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Uh, You know, a lot of people, when they do these spiels at the end of shows, they say, oh, make sure to give us five stars. You know what? I'll take four stars. Like, (laughs) even maybe three stars, I might be okay with it. Let's get those reviews up. Like, if if you really think I can be be improving upon this product and you think I deserve three stars, give me three fucking stars or four stars or whatever. Hopefully not a whole lot of ones and twos. Let's try to avoid those. (laughs) Maybe I'll pander a little bit to avoid the ones and twos, but uh, hopefully you like what you're hearing. Um, We're going to keep talking about sports, try to weave in a little bit more fun stuff stuff like the GOT talk. And I will try to break it up and warn you as you're listening uh, to let you know uh, when you can tune out uh, if you want. Um, But with that said, (laughs) this episode has gone on long enough. Uh, Our watch has ended this time around. Uh, We will catch you next time. Thank you very much. Adios.